Now, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, or simply the Tower of Pisa, which is a bell tower of the Cathedral of Pisa in Pisa, Italy, it is one of the world's most famous historic buildings with hundreds of thousands of people from around the world traveling there annually to see this historic site as a tourist destination. Now, the tower was built in 1127 A.D., although it wasn't completely finished for nearly two centuries. Centuries And Diot Salavi, who happened to be the architect that designed this building, apparently did not take any soil samples of the ground underneath uh, to discover that the soil would be too soft to support a structure of this size and of this weight. Its height uh, is 183 feet and 3 inches high, and it's 8 foot thick at the base. Well, by 1990, the tilt had reached 5.5 degrees, and from 1993 to 2001, remedial work was done to help stabilize it. It now leans at 3.97 degrees. Annually, 16 engineers gather to do calculations because it's believed that it eventually will come down. Now, amazingly, a restaurant was built right underneath on the down-lean side of the cathedral. And it will clearly be destroyed when and if the tower collapses from either wear and tear, age, natural disasters, or maybe some kind of extremely severe high winds. Uh, it has survived four earthquakes. They actually think because of the soft soil underneath, it was like a shock absorber, and it didn't go down at the time. But it's still believed it will go down. So annually, these engineers gather together to do their calculations and their assessments. And then you know what they do? They get together and eat at the restaurant, right underneath in the shadow of the Tower of Pisa. Now, there's a lesson for us here. Be careful what you build your life upon. If you build your life upon the church, no matter how good a church may be, whether it's this church or any other church, inevitably, that church is going to let you down. If you build your life upon your spouse, which, you know, you may be married to the most wonderful person in the world. I think I am. But, but inevitably, he or she is going to let you down. If you put all of your eggs into the basket of your family, whether it's your children or your grandchildren, you will certainly experience disappointment in your life. If you build your life upon a certain pastor, that, that, that pastor, he or she is a rock. Or if you build your life upon a certain job or a career as being the end all or be all. If you build your life around a certain standard of living, a, a certain standard of wealth or whatever, uh, a, a nice home, you will undoubtedly be building your life upon sinking sand. You will be building your own personal version of the leaning tower of Pisa. And sooner or later, it will come crashing down. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. 
See, unless you are building your life upon Jesus Christ, you are building on soft soil. You are building on dangerous ground. And in one way, shape, or form, it's all going to come crashing down around you in some form of heartache or in some measure of disappointment. And rest assured of this, the storms of life will come. You know, it's well documented in our nation that we've lost over one million people to COVID right now. Our dear sister congregation, as I mentioned this morning in the announcements, First Covenant Church in, in Superior, Wisconsin, just lost their beloved pastor, Clyde Harvey, to it. Our church, Mission Covenant Church, has lost four of its faithful members to this terrible disease. I've done a number of those funerals. In addition, there have been social, political, and racial tensions in our land the last number of years that have led to a lot of disappointment for people. And I have to tell you, I've yet to meet a single person that is all jazzed up about the recent midterm elections that happened nationally and even our statewide elections. It doesn't seem like anybody you talk to is very happy about what happened with the recent elections. And add to all of this runaway inflation that's going on right now that is detrimentally impacting people. Many people, especially our younger families and our, our older retired folks who are on fixed incomes, they, they don't seem to have the capacity financially to absorb all of these higher prices. I was at the Hunter's Expo and I'm standing in the food line. And of course, the prices had to be higher because everything else is higher and more expensive. And there's a family of five in front of me. They order two meals. And behind me, there's, there's a retired couple, and the lady says to me, she says, how much is this going to cost? She, she said, and she told me, we're on a fixed income, and it's been really hard for us right now. I said, I don't know. I haven't even seen the prices, so I didn't even know what to tell the lady. We have people who've lost their jobs as the result of inflation or are underemployed right now as a, as, to no fault of their own. So storms of life have come to us all in these ways, but in addition... Some of us are experiencing horrendous and have experienced horrendous tragic losses and difficulties, diagnoses that mere months ago we never anticipated. But here we are, and now what? Well, you know when Jesus was asked about all kinds of trying things happening in the world at the time? Uh, in Luke chapter 21, verses 8 through 12, he said these things about the signs of the end of the age. He said, watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I'm he and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilence in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors all on account of my name. In verse 18 in this section, he goes on to say, everyone will hate you because of me. And then verse 13 says, and so you will bear testimony to me. How we respond to what we encounter in life is our testimony. It's our witness to the world around us. It's a testimony to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our life. 
Which now brings us to our Thanksgiving text here at Mission Covenant Church for 2022, Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. See, our level of gratitude is not to be based upon our personal life circumstances, whatever they may be. It's to be based upon the person and the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the book of Hebrews is a Catholic epistle, meaning it's not written to a specific church like the letter to the Ephesians was, you know, to the church at Ephesus or the letter to to the Colossians, to the church at Colossae, or to, uh, you know, the letter to the Romans, to the church at Rome. Or it's not an individual letter like written to a specific person, like the pastoral epistles like Philemon or or, uh, to Timothy, young Timothy or young Titus. It it wasn't letters like that. It was written to Messianic Jews, people who had come to faith in Christ from Jewish backgrounds and were now encountering pressure to return to the old covenant, to return to the old ways. And had we been studying this epistle all the way to this juncture, we would have heard the message loud and clear that Jesus is superior to the old prophets, to the priests. He's superior to the kings. And even to angels themselves. Jesus is our high priest whose life given on the cross of Calvary is infinitely superior to any blood of bulls or goats offered in the old covenant for sin. And Christ's name is the name that's above every name. And his ministry surpasses all others. And Jesus is the mediator of this new and this greater covenant. Jesus is of greater importance than even Moses Aaron, Joshua, and the like. Jesus is preeminent. He uh, was appointed heir of all things and through whom God created everything there is. Now, in the book of Hebrews, after the listeners and readers recognize the superiority of Christ in all things and to all things, a shift takes place in the text to direct the audience to now look forward, which is what God has been preparing his people for this entire time, even in the old covenant to the new covenant, looking forward to the future. And that's why Hebrew tells us God has given us his word. It penetrates to the depth of our our being, to both joint and marrow. It's why God also corrects us, he says. That's why God disciplines us and chastens us. It's for our future. See, God desires for us to conform to the image of Christ Jesus, wants us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As Hebrews 12, 28 then says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, we should be thankful. Now, I have to tell you, Bible translators have wrestled over the years with translating that part, be thankful, because it's a word that can also mean grace or be gracious. And since everything that we have and everything that we will have in the future in Christ Jesus, we as followers should be, yes, thankful people, but we should be gracious people. And they've struggled back and forth. See, this should be our witness to the world around us. Our witness is not about our life circumstances. Our witness is about Jesus. And so let me ask you, does your life reflect all these benefits 
that you have in Christ Jesus. Yes, it may be very well how the Lord has walked with you through your circumstances, but it's a testimony about the Lord. It's not a testimony about your difficulties and your hardships. So both now and in the future, does your life reflect the benefits that you have in Christ Jesus? You know, people lost in sin always have their pasts catching up to them. As the Bible says, be sure, your sins will find you out. But do you realize that sinners, though, who have been saved by grace, believers in Christ Jesus, they always have their futures catching up with them because there's joy in the Lord. There's worship. There's security. Even when life circumstances don't always turn out the way we want them to turn out. We have those things because our future is out there before us and it keeps catching up with us. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it teaches Christians that we are to live in such a way that we know there's a tomorrow, that we know there's a future hope, that there's more to come for the believer. This world isn't all there is. So we shouldn't live like this world is all there is. There was a man who was once watching his 80-year-old neighbor planting a small peach tree uh, so he went over to talk to him, and this was one of those neighbors that's, uh, you know, always the half-empty uh, cup and, you know, always likes to rain on everybody's parade and that sort of thing. And so he went over, and the first thing he says to this man who's laboring to plant this little peach tree, he says to him, you don't expect to eat peaches from this tree, do you? And the old man stopped shoveling. He leaned on his shovel, and he said, no, at my age, it's unlikely that I ever will. But all of my life, I have enjoyed peaches from trees I never planted myself. So I'm just trying to pay the other people who planted trees for me. So many things in this world are temporary. But folks, God's kingdom isn't. It is sure, it is certain, and it is secure, and it is eternal. No current crisis or future power can ever snuff out God's kingdom. And you know, just prior to this, in Hebrews chapter 11, you have the great hall of fame of faith where all of these people that were faithful to God in dire circumstances are listed for us. And, and you know, numerous saints, people, big name people like Abraham and Moses, but there's also unnamed saints. And it points out to us that they journeyed through life with all of life's difficulties, knowing that there was something better to come. There was a better city. There was a better country. There was, there was a future before them. And they lived that way and could even be thankful that way. While on a short-term missions trip, Pastor Jack Hinton was leading a worship service at the leper colony on the island of Tobago when a woman who had been facing away from the sanctuary, the, the front of the sanctuary the whole time, she turned around and Pastor Hinton said, it was the most hideous face I've ever seen in my life. Her nose was completely gone. Her ears were gone. They had rotted right off of her head. And she raised up her hand, but it had no fingers on it. Just a stub of a fist because she'd lost all of her phalanges as well to leprosy. They too had rotted off the flesh. And uh, she raised her hand and she asked if Pastor Hinton could lead the colony in singing the hymn, Count Your Many Blessings. Overcome with emotion, Pastor Hinton couldn't. He walked right off the stage, walked right out of the back of the worship center at the leper colony there. And one of his team members followed him and said, well, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. Yes, he said, I will. But I'll never sing it 
the same way again. That day, a horrendously afflicted leper taught Pastor Hinton the powerful truth about what thanksgiving truly is. It's not about our current life circumstances, no matter how good or how difficult even they may be. It is our belief and our confidence in our God, in our King, and in His kingdom. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God should always be the focal point of our life. God needs to always be the focal point of our life for our own well-being, for our own good. And is the king of heaven your focal point? Or is it the king or the kingdoms of this world? To fail to be thankful and worship our God is an indication that we don't take these future realities and promises from God as being real. As, as being true, that these things are really going to happen. You know, it's a natural thing to express praise to God when we've received a great gift. Great privilege always leads to great praise. So is thankfulness a natural outflow of your life as a privileged son or daughter of God? It's a historical fact. That every time Israel, the nation of Israel, lost sight of God's future promises for them, they wanted to go back to Egypt. And they also complained a lot about their circumstances. You know, it's been said that the measure of our confidence in God's promises and of the future hope that we have in Christ Jesus will determine our ability to endure present difficulties. Martin Reinhardt was a 17th century Lutheran pastor serving in his hometown in Germany, Eilenburg, during the height of the Thirty Years' War. And being a walled city, Eilenburg soon found itself overrun with refugees and injured troops, inviting not only fear and overcrowding, but a deadly wave of disease and pestilence. Armies continued to march around its tight borders, besieging them of food and provisions, leaving the people in hunger and want. The Reinhardt home became a refuge of sorts for many of the sick and the stranded. And though there was hardly enough for Martin to feed his own family, he ministered tirelessly and endlessly uh, to the needs of others around him, trying to match gaping need with God's care and compassion. When other pastors fled for safety, Martin stayed on, eventually conducting more than 4,500 funeral services in one year alone. Sometimes he would have 40 or 50 corpses before him in a service, and one of them even happened to be his wife. And yet at some point in the midst of such dire, disheartening circumstances, Martin composed a family grace to be said by his children before their meager meals, a hymn that is still sung today all across Germany uh, on state occasions and national days of remembrance, and it's sung in churches around the world. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices, whom from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. Nancy Lee DeMoss writes, when we sing these words in the comfortable surroundings of a Thanksgiving service at church, they seem picturesque and idyllic. We smell turkey in the oven. 
warm bread on the table. We hear the voices of relatives we haven't seen in months, perhaps even since last year, gathering around the house in pockets of reunion and conversation. But make no mistake about it. This joy-filled refrain wasn't birthed around Thanksgiving feasts or the settled quiet of a country cottage. Rather, it was forged in pain and suffering and grief and death. It is truly a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Again, I ask you today, what is it that you are building your life upon? Are we building our lives upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ? Or is it something or someone else? Is your life bearing witness to all of the disappointments you have, to all of the complaints, to all of the dissatisfaction in your life right now? Or are you testifying as a person of gratitude and praise of the faithfulness and love and of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? You know, when we receive a great gift, it's natural to express praise. Great privilege always leads to tremendous gratitude. Therefore, Hebrews 12, 28 says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Would you please join me in prayer? God, our Father, in this season we're in right now where we face a national holiday of thanksgiving that goes right back to the very founding of the United States of America, We recognize, God, with all the errors and things that have gone wrong in our country over the years, that you have been faithful to us despite all of our own shortcomings. And Lord, even with all the disappointments and challenges in our own lives, we can see again your faithfulness to us as individuals and to our families. And oh God, help us this year to recognize that that's what our praise needs to be about, about you, God and how you've walked with us and been with us. And and, uh, God, you have been so gracious to us. So I pray, God, that we would be thankful this year. In Jesus' name, amen.